We want to thank the choir, certainly, for that. Um, and we want to thank Laura, especially, um, for how she, how she leads um, week in, week out. And I, um, I tell people all the time that we have someone leading music who could win the voice um, if she wanted to. And um, that's, you know, quite amazing to think about that we have this kind of talent in our church. Um, and so I am just so incredibly grateful um, for her, for them, um, for you. And um, each week I see Jim Smallwood standing there not singing so that that, that helps the whole atmosphere, you know, there. Um, so, Jim, I'm, I'm, right, I'm right there with you, Jim. I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I, that was wrong, wasn't it, Valen? I'm sorry. Okay. Um, Max, Max Lucado wrote a poem, My Heart, Your Manger, in which he prays, Like the stable in which you lay, my heart is simple, frail as hay. But if you would within me stay, make my heart your manger, I pray. Make my world your Bethlehem, centerpiece with heaven's sun. Make this night a shepherd's sky, quickened bright with holy dawn. Rush the air with cherub wings, brush the earth, let angels sing. A glimpse of your face, a taste of your grace, be born in this place, I pray. In other words, building on what we talked about last Sunday, whenever we make room for Jesus to be born in our hearts, he takes up residence there. And as a result, we can anticipate a great blessing. God will restore all that was once broken. It is a message that Isaiah communicates to the Israelites in Babylonian exile. It is a message that bridges over into our lives in exile in this fallen world. And so I just want to offer a few reflections this morning today from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. This is God's word to his people. Isaiah 25, beginning at verse 1. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name, for in perfect faithfulness you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. You have made the city a heap of rubble, the fortified town a ruin, the foreigner's stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will honor you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall and like the heat of the desert. You silence the uproar of foreigners as heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud so the song of the ruthless is stilled. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. 
On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. I, I've shared with the congregation before how when I was a kid, I, I wanted a swing set and I'd asked my dad for it and, and he finally gave me the swing set. But in the course of, of events, I didn't listen to him. He said, let it take time to settle in the ground before you play on it. And, and we played on it before it was time and, and the swing set fell and was in shambles on the ground. I had anticipated that it would be the source of great joy in my life, but I wrecked it. In spite of my anticipation, the, the swing set did not deliver my desires, the desires that I had. I just felt like that if I had this swing set, I would be the envy of the neighborhood. All the boys would be jealous of me. They would come to my house. They would come to my house to play. I would be the popular one. And that was what I thought would come from the swing set, but I wrecked it. And so here's the thing. Um, the biggest problem that existed with that swing set was that I had hopes for it to be more than what it was supposed to be. And I would ask us, what do we now anticipate to give us that which we seek, what do we anticipate to be more than maybe it should be? Is it a marriage? No. An educational degree? A level of physical fitness? Success at work? Well-accomplished children? Well-established friendships? Planned vacations? Planned retirement? Certainly, all of those things that I just mentioned are not bad. They can actually all prove good. But there is a problem when we make good things into ultimate things. Things that when we set up to be more than they're supposed to be can lead to disappointment. Isaiah emphasizes that we put everything in a proper framework when we set the praise of God as the priority. It's much like the praise that we heard, that we were led this morning, the praise of God that comes through the song that we sing even at Christmas time, the Christmas carols that we exalt Christ with. And do not miss how Isaiah emphasizes that such a praise of God comes even in the midst of brokenness. It comes in the midst of divorce. It comes in the midst of unfulfilled hopes and dreams. It comes in the midst of betrayal, in the midst of financial hardship, in the midst of a discouraging diagnoses, in the midst of tremendous loss. So why praise God when our swing sets are broken and in shambles? Because we can anticipate the promise of God to restore all things through Christ Jesus. In Luke 2, 25 to 32, we read, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, 
who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Israel. Simeon had anticipated the coming of Christ. And once he beheld the Lord's Messiah, Simeon prays to God, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I can now die assured and confident of what is before me. Simeon knew that the arrival of Jesus was a now moment. It was the first day of a new era. Nothing would ever be the same again. The consolation of Israel had begun. Knowing that God has come, knowing that God is coming again, our celebration of Advent must be a now moment. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Church, the Lord has spoken. And he has declared a year of jubilee. Moses had outlined the fullness of this year in Leviticus chapter 25. In part, he says at verse 35, If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself, you shall maintain him. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. Maybe we ought to hear the words of Isaiah 25, verse 4, with that in mind. But there is no maybe to it in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, where Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor is the same thing as the year of Jubilee. And it is a year to proclaim good news to the poor. It is a year to bind up the brokenhearted. It is a year to set free those who are captive to the darkness of sin. And there is no maybe to it that Isaiah is anticipating the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 and 2 are the precise words that Jesus Christ speaks to inaugurate his ministry in Luke 4, 18 and 19. The coming of Jesus is the now moment of all history. Let it be the now moment of your lives. 
Jesus came into this world to set the captives free. And if you believe in him for your salvation, Christ says, you shall be free, free indeed. You are now free from guilt. You are free from shame. You are free from the penalty that your sin deserves. But you are also now free to love, free to serve, free to participate in the year of the Lord's favor. At the 2006 National Prayer Breakfast, the rock star Bono from the group U2 delivered the keynote address. You can go to YouTube and watch it. It's about 20 minutes, and it's worth your time. In that address, Bono said, God is in the slums. He's in the cardboard boxes where the poor play house. God is in the silence of a mother who has infected her child with a virus that will end both of their lives. God is in the cries heard under the rubble of war. He is in the debris of wasted opportunity in lives. And God is with us if we are with them. Again, the voice of Isaiah calls out to us in chapter 58, verses 9 through 11. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the need of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in sun-scorched land and will bring strength to your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That is yet another voice echoed during the earthly ministry of our Lord and Savior. From Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats, the parable that is perhaps best summed up at verse 40. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. Isaiah anticipated the year of Jubilee. Simeon anticipated the year of Jubilee. And Christ, by his first coming, declared the year of Jubilee. It is a year that Christ will bring to completion at his second coming. Doesn't the anticipation of Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4, sound very much like Isaiah 25, 6 to 8? And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. If you are a believer in Christ, there is no maybe to the final now moment. It is the moment where Jesus will say, behold, I make all things new. Just believe in his promises. Prepare room for him in your heart. And then rest secure in the long-awaited and anticipated day of Christ's return. Surely this is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation.
And so this morning we continue to light the Advent candles. And Chris and Toby and Jenny are going to come and they're going to light the candle of anticipation along with the candles of promise and the candle of preparation. And as they light the candles, we're going to be singing together, Joy Has Dawned. Let us rejoice the now moment Jesus Christ come. Stand as we sing. <laughs> 